Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is all about demystifying midlife personal parts, or in other words, it's all about your vagina, menopause, and more. Oh my. This episode features another interview with someone who is amazing, and she's got awesome information to share with Women in the Middle. Today, we have an OBGYN in the house and a funny one at that. So yes, we're diving into your private, so to speak, and what's going on with all of the menopause-related hormone changes. Now, a little reminder that the information shared in this podcast is intended for your convenience, entertainment, and education, and isn't geared to your personal situation. It's not a replacement for care or advice from your own medical professionals. So as always, you may have some things coming up, some questions that you want to follow up on. So please seek a suitable professional to advise you on your personal situation. Okay, now I'm warning you, buckle up, sister friend, you will experience many emotions in the next 30 minutes or so. Laughing, squirming, thinking, and being grateful that you are part of an amazing sisterhood of other women going through the same thing, all the things. So really, we're talking specifically about how your body changes as a woman in the middle. That's really the gist of it. We're going to get some well-needed clarification and perspective. My guest today is the one and only Dr. Heather Bartos. As I mentioned, she's an OBGYN and is a leading voice in the field of women's health and wellness. She's also the fierce founder of Badass Women, Badass Health and a proud creator of MindShift Medicine, the integration of mental, physical, and emotional health to care for the whole woman. Fascinated by the way what we think about impacts how we feel, Dr. Bartos teaches women and their families how to thrive no matter what their stage of life is. She's a board-certified OBGYN, a U.S. Navy veteran, former associate professor at USUHS, and current chief of obstetrics and gynecology at Texas Health Hospital in Denton, Texas. She is currently the owner and medical director of her Village for Women's Health, B women's health and wellness. Dr. Heather Bartos is featured in publications from Glamour and Huffington Post to Reader's Digest, Women's Health, and ABC News. She's also a frequent speaker and writer on all areas of women's health and her practice of mind shift medicine. Dr. Bartos believes that rather than empower women to take control of their health, our pharma-heavy culture teaches that there's a test, a diagnosis, and a pill or treatment to fix whatever ails you. The bottom line, we are taught to receive medicine instead of creating better health for ourselves. This episode will help you get more perspective on what's going on in your beautiful midlife body so that you can ask better questions and know more in general. So without further ado, I can't wait for you to meet this very special and particularly amazing woman in the middle. Let's roll. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Thanks, Susie. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, my gosh. 
should I call you Dr. Heather Bartos? Should I call you Heather or Dr. Bartos? I never know what to do. Oh, Heather is fine because I think we're going to be talking about some very intimate things today. So we should be on a first name basis. Oh my God, you hit that nail on the head. Fantastic. What an opportunity it is to have you with us today. Thank you so much. So as you know, older and wiser women, there are just so many changes going on with us and so many things that we want to know about. And I'm sure you know more than your fair share of older and wiser women. <laughs> I do, including myself. Yeah, <laughs> we're the best. So like I said, it really is an honor and a treat to be able to speak to an actual OBGYN to get some of this stuff nailed down. So here we go. Um, but before we take a deep dive into the vagina, hormones, and all things female, <laughs> please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up pursuing this specialty as an OBGYN. I think it's just fascinating. Were you one of those nerdy science kids who always knew what she wanted to be when she grew up? Oh my gosh, not quite the opposite. So I actually, this is my second career. So I did not go to, into medicine until I was 28. I was actually in marketing, advertising, and public relations, where I worked with country music singers for a few years. And I will name drop if you want me to. But um, <laughs> and I, I, I got, I got fired because I accidentally shot my boss in the family jewels, the paintball gun. And uh, this was in Nashville, Tennessee, and just a proper Southern woman didn't do that. So I <laughs> moved back home. And I started doing PR for the Texas Medical Center and Texas Children's Hospital. And I decided, you know what? I'm sort of writing about this. I want to do it. I, I think I could do this. And so I, I applied for medical school at 28 and got in. I was the oldest woman in my class at 28. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and I wanted to be a pediatrician. Was sick the entire time I was on pediatrics. God bless them. And decided, no, not for me. And also, I didn't like working with men. They're big, whiny babies. So I wanted to devote myself to women's health. And I like that women's health really encompassed like, everything from really birth. I see, I see two-year-olds, one-year-olds, all the way to end of life. The oldest I've seen is 101. And I kind of loved that whole span and the breadth and the depth of the field. And so I entered the field of women's health. That is fascinating. And you know what? It was so fun that I didn't know that. I actually did not know that (laughs) because it's so funny. Heather and I are, we feel like we know each other because I happen to know her husband, but we totally don't know each other. It's the funniest thing. So that was awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're besties at this point. So I just had to kind of share it all, you know, the nut shooting and all that. I mean, it was really (laughs) tragic, but I've, I've recovered from that moment and and uh, I guess I did the walk of shame back home, the drive of shame back from Tennessee. So note to self, ladies, don't shoot your boss in the nuts. <laughs> That's a great tip. I'm going to make sure that that is highlighted. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I have this free Facebook group called Women in the Middle Community. And if uh, my listeners, if you guys aren't in that right now, get over there and join because it's where we continue the conversation that we're having on this podcast, like the one that Heather just mentioned. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It would be juicy. I posted in there that I was going to be talking to you, and I asked what questions uh, they wanted me to ask you about. And I'm sure it's no no huge surprise that the most common questions were about sex, hormones, and weight. And so... That's it, right? That's that's the big stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't really accurate when I mentioned sex, because what they really meant, and what I really mean, is lack of sex, or more specifically, lack of 
sex um, because everything's just so dry down there, that good old dry vagina. And um, it's just amazing that it's, it turns into such an issue at this age. So can you talk to us a little bit about the good old dry vagina and what is going on with lack of sex? It's, it's funny. The vagina should be fat, wrinkly, stretchy, and very kind of juicy, right? And it's everything that we don't want to be when we're young. Well, then when we get older and we hit menopause or perimenopause, when we were from 45 to, to 60, it becomes thin, not wrinkled, which is what we want the rest of our body to be. <laughs> and, and it tears easily because we've lost some of the basal cells in the vagina because there's no more estrogen. So um, it's one of the areas that I think needs to be addressed more and more as a preventative visit because so many women just think that that's normal and that they have no recourse for it. They're just stuck with this sandpaper cooch. And, um, and I think honestly, because men have been running the show, they don't think about dry vaginas. I mean, why, why would they? Um, it's very fixable. We don't have to live with it. But as I told you earlier, I mean, it makes sex really painful. I mean, you can bleed. I've had women come in bleeding or, uh, I mean, with big tears down the sides because it just, it's not meant to stretch. So it should look like the inside of your lip, which I'm <laughs> doing right now. And it then starts to look like the outside of your face. And so we wanted to kind of rejuvenate it. Um, you can do this with, with lubricants, with hormone creams. Um, there's now new products. I know in the States we have... Um, Mona Lisa, Thermiva, these kind of things that use uh, different frequencies, radio frequency or lasers to try to rejuvenate the vagina. So it's actually become a big focus now. And it can I've, actually read, I've read about those things, but I didn't know if it was just like some weird business opportunity or if they actually work. I think for the right women, um, for the women that I see use those mainly are for women that either can't take hormones because they've had breast cancer or a stroke or something like that at a young age or, um, or who just don't want to, to maintain it and have money to spend on it, but they do work. It just, it, there's some upkeep involved, but it's kind of like getting Botox, you know, it, it looks good, but you have to kind of maintain it. And there is some cost insurance doesn't cover it. So some women don't want to spend the money on it. And what's so funny is when I, when I went um, to the doctor, I was handed this sheet like a, you know, a handout that said vulva hygiene. And I'm like, vulva hygiene? I don't even know where my vulva is. <laughs> <laughs> vulva hygiene. It was just the funniest thing to me to actually see it in a handout. So I guess so many women are experiencing this and talking to their doctors about it. Um, but it's something that doesn't get a lot of play. You know, <laughs> obviously you're not going to be talking about Like we talk about eczema and we talk about weight loss, and we talk about all kinds of other things, but it sounds like it's a really common problem. It, it is probably the most common problem, and, 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 the, and the difference with it is, is once you hit menopause, those hot flashes and those mood swings and all those things that generally signal the change of life, those will start to diminish over a few years, but the dry vagina never gets better. It never goes away, and it poses health problems as we get older and older. I mean, in the 90s, we get more frequent urinary tract infections, and that can be very harmful um, in a nursing home type environment because you're sitting in possibly a, a diaper situation and, and just sit in your own urine, and that, and that vagina is so thin that bacteria is going up there. So 
it's a problem that needs to be addressed early so that we can try to fix it before it gets to be too much of an issue. The irony of it all that it's actually something that's thin at this age, like... It's, it's, it's a cruel joke of nature. It's thin. It's got no wrinkles. I mean, it's, it's what we always want to be. <laughs> like, what is going on here? <laughs> uh, so what can you tell us about... Um, you know, this other thing that the ladies wanted to talk about, which is just lack of interest in sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really common, you know, and again, we have to kind of set parameters of where we are in reproductive life. So 51 is the average age of menopause in, in, in the North American countries. Um, but anything between 40 and 60 is normal. And perimenopause, which is the five years preceding menopause, can start obviously as early as the mid-30s or all the way um, into the 50s. And that's, I say, that's, that's the danger time because you're still having periods um, and it's like puberty. It's reverse puberty is what it is. So mood swings, heavy, heavy periods, hormones are uh, raging and changing. I mean, it's basically puberty, but now you have a car and money, so you're more dangerous. <laughs> and... Um, and that's when the hormones start to shift. Now, I see just as many couples, though, where the woman complains that the man, who's also going through some andropause, man, I call it manopause, um, also does not want to have sex. There's a big mismatch of libidos around this time period. Um, it's something that you should know is coming, and don't be afraid to address it. So it's kind of like when we talk about in coaching, right? Like, don't don't deny it and shun it away. It's not going to get better. Let's address it head on and look for the reasons. So the big question I want to ask my patients is this, what are you doing while you're having sex? I know it's an odd question, but if they tell me I'm doing my target shopping list and I have to take these people here, I have to go visit my mother and I have to go, you know, to the store for this. And I'm like, girl, that it's in your brain. It's up here. And we got to get you back out of your prefrontal cortex, right? You're thinking too much. If it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm in it. Like I'm trying, I'm in it to win it and nothing's happening. Then that's more of a physiological issue. So we have to kind of divide it out real early. What, what side it is. And it's not 50, 50. A lot of times women will say, I'm just really busy. I'm stressed. I mean, we're successful at this point in our lives. Our kids maybe older or younger, but they're coming around. And, and so it, it can definitely be a mind game at this point, but it can also be something that needs to be checked out hormone wise too. And the biggest one is testosterone. Oh, so what do we do with testosterone? So, you know, women, we have minute testosterone. I've seen places that give women testosterone, and I've seen them as high as 300. We should be between about 20 to 70. So it's a fine line. The FDA in this country does not have a testosterone product for women available. We have to compound it. We have to bioidentical make it, um, which works great. Um, pellets are another thing people will do nowadays. But you want to be very careful on how things are dosed. And you want to go to a very good place to get these kind of products. Because, again, tip you too far and you're going to start getting a beard and a deep voice and a large clitoris, which no one wants. So it's very, 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 very tricky. It's finesse at this point. But testosterone does help with libido and kind of muscle mass and kind of that vigor, that kind of vitality that we always miss. Oh my gosh. So just the chin whiskers are just going to be coming on more and more and more. I talk yeah, about that a random lot. one. It was going to become a whole beard. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Just more lovely things. So you mentioned biomedical hormones. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, so, so pharma, big pharma makes hormones 
And I say that's kind of like, it's just done in a lab, it's synthetic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with synthetic hormones, but you're going to get like three sizes, like that's it. So for women that like a more custom approach where we can tweak this and, and you are going to be very different than what I'm going to need. You may need more progesterone and I may need more estrogen and we both may need some testosterone. We can actually kind of craft like a great pair of shoes for you from scratch and you can wear those. Or you can just go to Nordstrom's and find one of the three pairs that they have in stock and see if one of those fits. So a lot of women like the bioidentical route. Um, they, they can be more expensive. And so I have women, the first conversation I say is, is how much can we spend? You know, is, is money an issue? Because you can go to Kroger and get a $4 generic of a hormone. Or are you looking for a more kind of tailored kind of experience? How do you make how do you make the decision? Um, I, I started with the money conversation because some women don't want to spend $70 a month on their hormones, and that is completely reasonable. Um, some women really are anti-hormones. That's kind of a big thing out there. They think that it's more dangerous and bioidentical is more natural. The progesterone is made from a wild yam source, which speaking of which, you can buy that on Amazon. So... Uh, you know, there's products that make it more, a little bit more, you know, estrogen is actually made from pregnant mare urine. It has been for years. That's where Premarin comes from. Um, but some people just don't like the idea of going to Walgreens or to CVS and picking up whatever they have in stock. They like the idea of mixing and matching just the perfect kind of chemistry for them. Wow. So much to learn. No wonder it's overwhelming and no wonder the ladies in my group wanted to ask a few more questions about it. It's a whole nother special. Okay. So we're talking about hormones and of course you can't talk about hormones without talking about weight gain and menopause. And of course this also leads into the sex topic because with weight gain, there's usually a tendency to be a little bit more self-conscious and uh, just less interested. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. There's a whole cycle right there. Uh, the hormones shifting, the body's changing, the weight's there, and then again, you don't want to have more sex. And so it starts this kind of funnel that's really hard to get out of unless, like I said, there's a conscious you know, plan here. Okay, I'm turning 50 this year. These things aren't quite right. So what do I need to address first? Um, the weight is an issue and it can happen for any woman that gets a hysterectomy, so which is surgical castration, surgical removal of the organs, even at 2025. 20, we notice the same thing happens in female dogs. You ever gotten your dog spayed, she comes back home and all of a sudden she puts on some more weight. Those hormones are essentially gone. And there's actually a new study out that shows that women that start hormones at the time of menopause can prevent some of that weight gain, especially around the middle, that middle section that we all kind of get. Um, really a big decrease in metabolism hits around menopause. You don't need the food as much because from an evolutionary standpoint, you're not going to be hosting life anymore. So we really have to pare down our food intake and really kind of say what works for my body today, right now. Wow. It's, I remember when I, uh, when I first started to realize that m something was changing, of course, I went and had a physical and talked about perimenopause. And what I noticed after that appointment was I was able to identify the mood swings that I had, mm -hmm. that I, I had never had mood swings growing up all those years, you know, decades with periods and this and that. And I never was that moody. 
But something happened to me where I felt like it was an out-of-body experience where I was watching myself become an angry person. And it happened twice. And then I had that doctor appointment and I went, oh, this is interesting. It's probably perimenopause and it had something to do with my hormones. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Those hormones shift throughout the month. Men are so easy. I mean, they have one organ to deal with and their hormones are eh, straight across the whole month. Ours go up and down, up and down. And as the progesterone rises, the second half of your, of your menstrual cycle, uh, so does the bloating, the constipation, the kind of how the, the stomach kind of stops digesting food so well. And, and the body completely shifts to get ready for pregnancy. And so as you hit kind of that menopausal age, your brain is saying, dude, make an egg. Come on, let's get this, ring this out one more time. And your ovaries are like, damn, I'm tired. I'm tired. Leave me alone. And, and so what happens, there's a battle, just like a mom and a teenage daughter, you know, make an egg. I'm not going to. And, and the hormones start to really rage on. Now, hormones can make you kill somebody, literally. Look at postpartum depression and psychosis. So it really can do those things. And pregnancy, you lose your filter. Remember when you were pregnant, you kind of said whatever you thought, <laughs> but you were cute and pregnant. So it was okay. Oh, look at her little belly. Gosh, she's kind of a bitch right now. Uh, <laughs> We're not so cute anymore. We can't just kind of sail that off. But I'll have a lot of husbands that will call me and say, I'm being the big B right now. Like, can you fix that? And so that's where we start one of the hormones coming into play. And if it's an issue for you, I mean, you saw that. You felt yourself in this out-of-body, filterless experience saying, why am I yelling at somebody right now? Yeah, it was really interesting. I, I was... I, I really didn't understand it. I was very unfamiliar with mood swings. And yeah, it, was, it just gave me so much more compassion to, to that problem. Um, so you touched on hormones and weight gain. And, and I love the idea of just kind of not being surprised by it, but just kind of understanding and preparing for it. And I remember I was told, you know what, you can expect to gain 12 to 18 pounds. And guess what? I gained 12 to 18 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and what I didn't understand, it's just the power of your thinking, right? Exactly. What I, what I didn't understand was um, the metabolism part and my connection with hunger was way out of whack. So I right. didn't really understand that my body really required way less food and that awareness about that connection with hunger was really important to develop too. Yeah, we've lost that, right? I mean, in developed countries, we've lost this idea that I am hungry, therefore I need to eat food that nourishes my body. And, you know, I know you through, through Brooke's programs and, and the weight programs that she does. And so giving up that kind of processed flour, processed sugar can kind of help with that food addiction component. Um, but yeah, really saying, what do I need? I mean, you and I are both short women, right? We're, we're fun size, is that right? It <laughs> calls me fun size. So I don't need, I mean, I, for a while, I was eating the food, probably a six-fold linebacker. No problem. I was shoving that in my pothole every day. And I wonder why all of a sudden I was gaining weight. And so really kind of focusing on what you need versus what I need. And you're right. It's a plan. It's a plan. You know, the Chinese call menopause the second spring. And I've always loved that because we call it the change to menopause. I mean, it sounds... It's the death of your reproductive life, right? I mean, it's horrible. We're so, we're so kind of demoralizing in this country. Um, but it's an idea that, you know, right now we can set up where we're going to be for the next 50 years, you know, where are we growing? And so using your nourishment, 
um, the right hormones for your body, whether you need them or whether you think that I, I'm going to do this without hormones. Um, and then having the sex that's appropriate and pleasurable for your age group. Yeah, I love that. And you know, it's, it's so in line with everything that we teach on the podcast about regret-proofing your life. And certainly when it comes to relationships and, and your relationship with yourself, you want to do everything you can to prevent having regrets. No one li- likes regrets. Everybody will regret having regrets. Yes. So being more prepared for all of it uh, is a great idea. And having a fun doctor, a fun <laughs> doctor to talk to makes it all the better. That's for well, sure. And you're right. And you have a tribe that you were talking to about your stuff. I think all women need a tribe of, of sisters that are in a similar spot to where they are in life. So you can say, hey, is anyone else having this problem? I love so much of what you just said. So many of my clients and people in my community talk about um, this idea that they really wish that they had more friendships at this point in their lives. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that you have the friends and you're not talking because some of these topics are awkward, but many, many women don't have the friendships that they really thought they would have now. And, and so um, we spend a lot of time talking about how to develop them intentionally. You know, we're trying to be so intentional about our health and about our relationships and self-care and all of this stuff. You have to be intentional about, being social and, and being present and showing up in your life for other women, all of it, it's super important. And you have to have a good relationship with your doctor. But I think a lot of women, especially that are right now 50s upwards, our mothers didn't talk about these things. I know my mother never talked to me about sex. Mom, if you're listening out there, I'm sorry. Um, got to, I'm about to drag her under the bus. We never talked about sex. And I remember asking her when I was probably 17, what would you do if I got pregnant? I was just, you know, ask some stupid question a kid asked. She goes, well, I would be very disappointed, but I would still love you. And I was like, oh God, there's nothing worse than disappointment, right? Like that's the worst. Like it's the shame. It's the shame and the blame. And so we never talked about sex growing up. We never did. So many women in our, in our kind of strata of life have not talked about their moms. I have women who don't know their mom's menopausal history. Mom hmm. never talked about her, her lady parts, the lady bids. They never talked about that. It was just, it was something that, that ladies did not do. And this is the, our mothers are in that ladies of the sixties and seventies that just didn't talk about things. It wasn't discussed. And so trying to get past those beliefs that we developed between five and eight can take a lot of work. Yeah. Finding your tribe is super important. And and I think that uh, your healthcare provider, your OBGYN, your whoever, your family physician, it's so important to have a strong connection there, like not to be best friends, but to be so comfortable that you can ask your questions. And if they're, you know, just you got to ask your questions. I don't know how else to say that. I'm very fortunate. I, I do feel really comfortable with, with the, these doctors in my life. And um, yeah, I feel so thankful that I, I had that connection. And, you know, I always say it's, it's just you're behind a closed door. I understand that one, one of the people are naked in the room, usually the <laughs> other person, not me. And, and so it's, very, it's a very vulnerable state to be in. But you just have to kind of pick your tits up and just say, I'm going to ask this question. I got to ask it and just do it and, and get past the embarrassment and the, and the feeling of, of shame behind it and just put it out there. And guess what? If your provider acts like a total artist that when you say it, it's time to find a new doctor. I mean, that's not the person that you want to kind of sherpa you through your next stage of life. 
Yeah. And, you know, you want this relationship to last. You don't want to be doctor jumping all of the time. So you definitely want to feel comfortable so you can ask the questions. Yeah, that's so good. What would you say the most important things are to keep an eye on at this age of life? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think I told you, I actually rescheduled my mammogram today to be here with you. <laughs> Yikes. Physician heal thyself. Um, so I will say preventative care is huge at this point and it's something that a lot of women think because I'm not having babies anymore, I don't need to go. And I always say unless you do a poop ton of yoga, you can't see your own cooch. I mean, you just can't see it. I'm, I'm trying right now, I can't see it. Um, and so a lot of skin conditions can develop down here. You mentioned eczema. You can get eczema around the vulva, which is the outside of the vagina. Those well, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> those two big lips. I'll, I'll include a picture. Uh, two big <laughs> lips that sit out there. Um, I'll have women that will have, um, that will get thin and dry too with menopause. But someone needs to look inside your hoo-hoo at least, you know, once a year, once every two years to ensure that what you can't see is okay there. I mean, you can get melanoma in your vagina, did you know? I mean, that's crazy. Melanoma. I guarantee you, your dermatologist is not going to look up there. So it's nice just to have someone just take a big kind of gander at that area, check the breast, make sure you're getting your, all your preventative care stuff done. That's, that's huge. And then, like we said, talk about the vaginal dryness early because what happens is if it starts to hurt to have sex and it's dry, it's kind of like you touch a hot stove. You're not going to keep touching it. It's going to actually create some mental issues with sex too. And we want to avoid that because those are harder to get through, as you know. Yeah. Mindset work takes a lot of intentional practice. So you're mm -hmm. right. If this kind of thing starts to slip, and a lot of people have talked about this in the group, um, it is harder. You really got to work on it. So yeah, I love that. It's a great analogy. And what do you have going on? Is there something you'd like to promote? Because it's just so much fun. Your take on women's health is so fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I'm starting a new Facebook Live group. I'm about to go on Facebook Live actually when we're done with this and tell everyone. So everyone's about to get the first run here. I'm going to start a new Facebook Live program called Is This Normal? Because I get those questions just like you did in your group every day. Is this normal? Is this normal? So we're going to answer viewer questions every week and kind of go through it. And I hit the word normal because it implies that there's, you know, some social issues with that, but that's the best word we can come up with that really is people ask, is, is it normal that my vagina is dry? Is it normal I don't want to have sex? Is it normal that I gain weight? And so we're going to answer these questions every week. So yeah, I'd love everyone to send their questions in and let's keep the conversation going. Oh my gosh, so good. So we're going to provide the link for that. What is your, what is your website? It's heatherbartosmd.com and my Facebook handle is at Dr. Heather Bartos. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to put all the links for that in the show notes. Dr. Heather Bartos, thank you so much for joining us. It was uh, so, oh my gosh, so fun to have you here. And I have a feeling you'll be a repeat guest. You've really, really, oh my gosh, so good. You've really helped answer a lot of the common questions that midlife women have. Women in the middle are amazing and we don't want to waste our time spinning about stuff when there are answers to be had and ways to live more intentionally and more more healthily. Is healthily a word? <laughs> I like it. It is now. It's a word now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Susie. That's it for this episode. I'm sure you'll agree Dr. Heather Bartos has a totally fun and informative approach to your lady parts. I love that she helped us understand more of what's going on down there 
But as a listener of Women in the Middle, you also know that the way you think about your life and your transition through menopause can really affect your health too. Being intentional about how you want to manage menopause is something you can think more about. Ask yourself if you know what you need to know to make decisions that you're confident in. If you don't know the answers to your questions, ask yourself why. Is it that you're not asking them because you don't feel comfortable with your doctor or that you're just too confused, you just don't know what to ask, or maybe even that you're in a bit of denial about what's going on in your body? Your health is another area that is prime for regret proofing. Remember, the whole podcast is about what you can do as women in the middle to be more intentional with your life. Who knew that that could also include your vagina? (laughs) Now I'm excited to hear about what you do with all this helpful info. So check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Stop by www.heatherbartosmd.com to learn more about what Dr. Bartos and her badass woman, badass health movement has to say, or even just say, hey, on Instagram and Facebook at the at symbol, Dr. Heather Bartos. Also, remember to check out my free Facebook group, The Women in the Middle Community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. It is for women just like you. And finally, if you like what you've heard on today's episode, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review, which of course is greatly appreciated. Like seriously, I really appreciate that you take the time to do this. Let's do this, ladies, one bold and brave thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 